couple of years ago, the government of, the, uh, of Dubai said they want to become the first blockchain government. When public statements like that are made, uh, they don't miss the mark. The supply chains in this region are very, very resilient. Certainly when there was the revolution in Egypt, um, you know, people realize there's a revolution. Look one way and there's cutting edge technology. Turn your head and a government is toppling. Welcome to Supply Chain Management in the Middle East and Northern Africa. I'm Bob Rossback and this is Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. SIPS has its regional headquarters in the Emirate of Dubai, part of the nation, the United Arab Emirates. Dubai is a safe haven in the Middle East and the UAE has a $700 billion oil-driven economy, so there's plenty of buying power there. With me is Bill Michaels, SIPS VP Operations, Americas. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bob. And Sam Achampong, SIPS General Manager for the Middle East and Northern Africa. Thank you for joining us, Sam. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Very good. So, Sam, you have quite a region. I know I described uh, Dubai, but of course, you are really managing uh, procurement uh, education and certification in a large region including that goes from Qatar all the way to Algeria. So tell me a little bit about the area and, uh, and, and, and what you face. What are the main challenges that you see in sourcing in the Middle East? Absolutely, absolutely Bob. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting region. And the region, I think the main characteristic of the region will be that it's a region of incredible contrasts. Um, so in terms of geopolitical and or security risks, you have some of the countries with the highest security risks in the world. Um, in, term, in fact, of the 17 countries in the region, uh, I think about five or six of those are classified as high risk. You also have some of the safest and stable countries, um, and SIPS has had uh, an office here in Dubai and United Arab Emirates since 2011. Uh, and, and certainly the UAE um, as a country has uh, some of the lowest crime rates in the world. And it's probably one of the most stable countries in the world. So you have that juxtaposition across the region in terms of the contrast between countries um, and areas in the region. You also look at the economic situation. Um, you have the, um, the oil-rich Gulf area, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, um, Qatar, that side of it. And then you contrast it um, with um, maybe um, the Levant area, um, Egypt and Lebanon and, and, and North Africa, uh, which have different characteristics. So, so there are big, um, there are big um, differences in terms of how the region looks. It, it certainly isn't one, one size fits all as far as the, the, the region is concerned. Um, you know some of the some of the richest countries in terms of GDP per capita. Um, Qatar is the richest country in the world as far as GDP per capita. Um, you'll find the UAE, uh, Kuwait, Bahrain. They're all in the top ten or top twenty. Um, and then you have some of the poorer countries such as Yemen or Afghanistan in the same region. So um, a region of significant contrasts. So what does that do or what does that, what does that mean for somebody who is trying to run a supply chain? It, it means a lot of things, um, uh, good and bad, and actually mainly good, because one thing, one of the contrasts in the region is it's also um, from, a, from an age demographic point of view, um, one of the youngest regions in the world. You know, the median age of the whole region is probably 26. Um, and then if you delve deeper, if you look into somewhere like Saudi Arabia, 
probably about 50% of the population is under the age of 25. So um, significant opportunities in terms of workforce. And the way that translates is that you have a very um, technologically or IT literate population, Um, a population agile to change um, and um, some of the highest penetrations of social media in the world um, across, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, you'll find um, in in the Middle East region as well. So the opportunities for the profession um, are great because, of course, we're talking about large industry 4.0 technological revolutions in procurement and supply chain. And you have uh, professionals and, and, and students coming into the profession who are agile and hungry for that change. Yeah, Sam, I, I've got a question for you, uh, kind, of, kind of related to that. You know, when, when I look at what's happening here in terms of what uh, CPOs and CEOs are looking for, uh, they're looking for us to bring in uh, business skills. Uh, they're asking us to bring people back to the fundamentals, kind of, and, and enhance the soft skills that uh, that people have. So, you know, it's really a, a change when when we look at what people are learning and how they're learning and how they're learning to buy. And how's that compared to what you're seeing? Yeah, first of all, it's a, you know, it, it's an interesting part of the world. So if you look at the UAE in particular, um, you put something into perspective and say that, um, put everything aside and, and, and take into account the fact that 90 or 95% of the population are expatriates. Okay, so, um, so when you're talking about um, imports, one of the biggest em- imports is human capital for a start. So, um, so you, you're actually bringing in human capital expertise. The region also is a, re- well, the UAE is, is a regional hub uh, and the Gulf is to a large extent a, a global hub because it, it, is, it can be a bit of a safe haven. But the region, as, um, as Bob quite rightly mentioned, um, does have the... Um, you know the appearance of some somewhere that is uh you know kind of living in treacherous waters um interestingly enough uh, what what you find is that the the supply chains in this region are very very resilient um they they're almost used to being agile and reinventing themselves and keeping business going uh, not so long ago you had the reintroduction of iran into the supply chains and then and then the then the closing down of Iran again and again the the, the supply chains and, and the expertise um, react to that in real time so the uh, the effect of that uh, usually is minimized are you actually dealing with the coronavirus uh, in a similar kind of circumstance where all of a sudden uh, a whole country and a huge trading partner is uh, essentially shut down what what's going on with that right now so with the China thing well it all remains to be seen what the what the effect is because the reality is that China is 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 a is a huge trading partner of the UAE. So you've got the exports of uh, of oil and natural gas, and and then you've got the imports of everything else. So there's a huge um, there's a huge trading relationship between China and the UAE, and and uh, and you know something like this. Um, depending on how long it lasts, uh, it it remains to be seen what the effects are. And I think we've already seen the effects on the oil price, um, but it it remains to be seen what the additional effects are as it it continues. Well, it does sound that if they do have to make changes, uh, you've got buyers there and logistics people who are prepared to switch on a dime, as you say. If, you know, from time to time, there'll be geopolitical issues around, you know, certain countries. So overnight, there'll be a ban of, of importing goods from a certain country or nationality. 
um, you got to react to that. <laughs> it's uh, and, and people do. You know, certainly when there was the revolution in Egypt, um, you know, people realize there's a revolution. Bringing us back to the SIPS business, what do people in the region really value? Do they value the uh, training and development that you do? They devout, do they uh, value the qualifications and certifications? Do they value the membership? And so how, how does your business, uh, uh, what's your business makeup when it comes to those factors? So, so it works. It works in a couple of areas. So, uh, remember, we're, we're we're working in the region where the uh, the the business language is, I guess, largely English, but the country, the the language of the region is Arabic. That that that's a fact of the matter. Uh, the second point is that the maturity of procurement as a profession, um, you know, uh, across the board, is not very high. Okay. Um, now, SIPS has had offices there since two thousand eleven. So. We've had almost, um, you know, uh, uh, a blank sheet of paper to start adding value to, um, to, you know, improve the capabilities of procurement in this region. Uh, and, and when I say adding value, you'll start from a position where, you know, some of the largest organizations perhaps did not even have a procurement function initially. So you really are starting uh, from the basics. So that, that, that pr provides us with actually not a challenge, but a fantastic opportunity. Uh, and 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 once we've had the opportunity to um, talk to people about the virtues of procurement, the 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 response is phenomenal, and and we work with some of the largest organisations and governments in the region, um, and we we've had uh, a significant amount of success. For example, um, now. Uh, as the region becomes more and more of a hub, you find more and more events happening in this region. So you have the 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 World Expo is actually is happening in Dubai. So Dubai Expo 2020, that's a mega event. Now we worked closely with the um, Dubai Expo team as soon as they were awarded the expo to get their procurement function to a a world recognised um, capability. Um, so that they could then offer procurement services to all the other countries who were going to be visiting Expo and building their pavilions. Um, the Dubai Expo 2020 is a SIPS certified project. They have gone through our procurement excellence program um, and value it very highly. Um, and then you look at organizations who are really behind the concept of, you know, licensing your procurement team. They're really behind the concept of, right, if you want to, to spend the organization's money, or in the case of governments, if you want to spend government's money, then you have to be qualified to do so. You have to be a qualified procurement professional. And many organizations um, have embraced this concept. Uh, we have a huge SIPS Academy within ADNOC, which is the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. Um, the, the, I think it's probably the sixth largest oil company in the world. Um, they have a huge procurement team across several divisions, uh, probably over 600 people within that team. Um, so we have an, we have an in-house academy with them to, to take them all through um, the, the qualifications um, to, to become MSIPs over a period of time. And, and, and that's been going for a couple of years now. So they have a firm commitment uh, and a real commitment to make sure that they can look back in, in four or five years and say, we have a fully licensed uh, procurement team and everyone in procurement is fully qualified uh, to be spending money. So, so the, 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 the big organizations get it and they have a an, and they have a real commitment to make sure it happens and one of the reasons they have that is that there is a the biggest initiatives in the region are diversification initiatives 
So most of the, the countries, especially in the Gulf region, have huge initiatives to diversify the economy away from a reliance on oil and natural gas. So you have the, uh, the biggest or the, the most known one is the Saudi Vision 2030, which is an extremely um, ambitious and wide-ranging um, diversification initiative that talks in detail about how they're going to diversify their economy away from a reliance on oil. Um, now, procurement supply has a big part to play on in that, and that's why we're working with so many um, high-profile organizations uh, and departments in, in Saudi Arabia, for example, to assist them with, with, with getting where they need to be. Great. Hey, that sounds like you're, you've got a, a lot of work ahead of you and, uh, and a big challenge. We've grown our membership from uh, within the last three to four years by more than 95%. Um, and, and, and that's really just talking about people embracing the fact that they need to have those skills. So SIPS has a very strong uh, uh, sense of uh, ethical procurement. They're very strong in ethics, in sustainability, uh, no forced labor, corporate responsibility. How, does those, how do those themes or those values uh, translate there. I, I mean, anytime I think you have, uh, you know, governments that are fragile, where you have uh, lots of opportunities for graft and other forms of corruption, um, they, it's very easy for those kinds of things to become intrinsic or embedded in the, in the buying culture. Uh, and SIPS is just so far the other way, so strong in, uh, in ethics. Um, how do you manage that? Is, uh, is SIPS really recognized for, for that? And is it embraced? Or is sometimes is that a struggle in, in some of the operations that you do? Um, you know, strange enough, um, absolutely not. So the organizations that engage with us are looking to differentiate themselves in, in, in several ways. One is in terms of their performance and, and uh, you know, the, the strategic capabilities of their procurement and supply teams. And the other is to demonstrate their commitment to ethics and sustainability and social, social responsibility. So, I mean, if you look at the SIPS um, ethics register, you'll notice that there is a, there's an, probably an over-representation of organizations from, from the middle least on there so um, yes you you'll see Facebook are on there uh, but um, you know below Facebook you'll see Farrah Leisure who are the the the, the um, organization that, that are closely involved in uh, the theme parks around the Abu Dhabi Formula One you'll also find the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi on there you'll also find um, Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank who were the first Islamic Bank to sign up to the SIPS um, Code of Conduct so there are organizations who have firm commitments uh, and real commitments to making sure that not only they have the knowledge around ethics, but they, they're able to demonstrate it as well. So you said that you have a young workforce there and uh, you mentioned technology. So is technology helping address any of the challenges of supply management in the region? Yeah, te technology is a, is a, you know, it's a, obviously a breath of fresh air, but it's, it's a massive enabler because you have a young population, you have high adoption rates. I think some of the st statistics say that, you know, the, 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 the usage or the penetration of Twitter and LinkedIn uh, in, in the Gulf, in, in the UA, in Saudi Arabia, the biggest in the world. You know, relative to their to their, to their populations and and per person use, so people are very very um, uh, technology literate. Uh, and if you then add to that uh, the fact that a lot of organisations have significant buying power, then you almost have a perfect storm. Because what happens is that um, you've got um, 
a region where procurement as a function is not very mature. Um, and then there's two things you can do. You can start from scratch, uh, get in the people up to speed with how procurement should be, and and then making them fully versed and experienced procurement professionals. But with technology coming along, of course, you can leapfrog all of that. You can leapfrog a lot of those, a lot of traditional ways of doing procurement. And um, a lot of organizations have the funds to employ uh, sophisticated enterprise systems, uh, and, and they are doing just that. So um, in a lot of the ways, they are leapfrogging their, their immaturity to putting in place the latest sourcing systems, the, the tail end spend capabilities, um, cloud-based uh, AI or, or um, repetitive process automation systems, which are putting them actually uh, making them world-leading functions and allowing their senior leaders uh, to, to, to become senior strategic people who are able to interpret systems rather than um, the, the previously embedded systems. So there are a lot of organizations who are, who are investing in, in those kind of assets, in, in digital assets, in technology assets. Um, you have um, real intent. The, uh, I think uh, a couple of years ago, the government of, the, uh, of Dubai said they want to become the first blockchain government. And, they, and, and usually when, when public statements like that are made, uh, they don't miss the mark. So, so that what that means is they're putting all the intent behind that. They they point to you know a minister for AI and things along those lines to, to make sure that it happens, and uh, and and that leads the that leads the drive to technology and uh, and and the adoption with the with tier one organisations is huge. So, Bill, when you hear that all uh, the leapfrogging and going heavily into technology, how does that square with uh, your sense of people hungry for people skills? It seems like there's uh, diametrically opposed. We've got two different sort of themes or uh, trends going on at the same time. What do you think of that? Well, I do think that um, that the technology piece is really really interesting. As we look at, uh, and there's a new association forming for. Um, information and managing di digital information and when we look at the marketing side the marketing side does it very very well they take the information they manage it they get it really sorted out uh, I can I can be talking to my wife about something I swear Siri's listening to me and all of a sudden the thing shows up on social media but when we look at the supply chain side there's a lot of data out there and people are having difficulty trying to understand what to do with it here and so it's really uh, getting getting the processes in place, getting the form. But we're at the very, very um, infancy of that. So we're moving along, but we're not there yet. So in the U.S., we do think we know everything about everything. And so, uh, Sam, what might we learn from procurement professionals in your region to kind of close us off here? Is there any lessons that we should learn from uh, the way you do things? I think what I'll do is characterize the region as being uh, and the people within the region um, as being, uh, I guess, you know, very, very and probably overly ambitious in what they want to do, very open minded and very open to new ideas, um, you know. Uh, really uh, futuristic and ambitious initiatives are encouraged from um, from the very very highest level and uh, and the thirst for knowledge is there there's there's a huge th thirst for knowledge and therefore the you know the concept of as I mentioned before having licensed and qualified procurement professionals and being able to demonstrate that is something that people here uh, hold hold very high in, in very high esteem to actually have something 
to achieve um, a level and be able to demonstrate that to people as well. So um, th that that certainly characterizes the region. Uh, and I think just going back one step about uh, your your point to Bill about the people. So um, even though technology is an enabler, um, there is still a massive part to play in terms of upskilling people, and, and we still do that. Um, it's just that the what what we're able to do is focus on um, more strategic levels of, of training and procurement. So in other words, people don't have to start by learning the transactional bit because technology is here. So um, yeah, we, 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 can, we can get away with um, giving them the knowledge of how systems work so that they're managing those systems um, rather than starting from the bottom. But certainly uh, those from the strategic themes and, the, and you know, from the category manager upwards um, there, there's a huge thirst and need uh, to give people those skills uh, and, and, and there's a big thirst for those skills as well, especially as you now have, you know, new job descriptions coming up, you know, procurement data scientists, all, all those kind of things are now becoming more and more seen within organizations um, um, and especially the ones who are successful in what they do. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time, Sam Achampong, SIPS General Manager for the Middle East and Northern Africa. Thank you for joining us. Great. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bill. And uh, you guys have a great evening and morning. And Bill, it's always a pleasure. We will talk again soon. That's all for now on Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback. Have a good day.